uh, grab that or grab the Bibles underneath your chair and turn to uh, Job chapter 2. Job chapter 2 is where we will land today. Um, if, uh, if you're going to get a paper Bible, it's about a little less than halfway through a paper Bible, and it's in the Old Testament. Um, you're also welcome to use your smartphone as well if you want to look up the Scripture that way as well. And uh, to get us started today, I want to start with this. Uh, how many of you know that there is a really big event coming this coming Friday? Does anybody know what the big event is this coming Friday? Some of you are going, I don't know, man, it's summer. There's a lot going on. There is a major event that's happening, and that event is this. Yes! This Friday is Toy Story 4. comes out. I'm so excited about Toy Story 4. Um, this, for some reason, seems to be the summer of great films, right? The Aladdin movie just came out. We still have to go see that. I'm so eager to see it. My kids went without me, uh, those kind of things. But, uh, and then, of course, Toy Story comes out Friday. And then later this summer, right, we get The Lion King comes out. Like, it's just a great summer of films. And so... Um, Beyond being just excited about the film, because I think Toy Story is really awesome, those kind of things, I start with that today because I, as I began to work on the teaching this week for this weekend, I immediately thought of Toy Story and thought about the Toy Story. That's a hard word to say, by the way, Toy Story. I thought about Toy Story, and I thought about the theme song of Toy Story. How many of you know what the theme song is? You Got a Friend in Me, right? Many of you know that, right? You Got a Friend in Me. And if you don't know, this, this song, this film, the original film is now 20 years old. Can you believe that? It's 20 years old, and the reality is, is that, right, like uh, generation after generation after generation, they know this film and they know this song because it stood the test of time. Uh, and and it's, I think it's partly due to the fact that the, the film and ultimately these lyrics ring true. And, right, these are the lyrics that say, you've got a friend in me, you've got a friend in me, you've got troubles, I've got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together and we see it through because you've got a friend in me. And so this idea of sticking together no matter what, it's what made us fall in love with this film back in 1995. It's why this has been spanned beyond generations. And I think that there is because it touches a human emotion in us, something that God put in us, right? Each one of us, see, there's something that, that draws us in when, when, when we see a group of people band together and they overcome and they get to the other side, Right? We saw it last Sunday, right? If you were here last Sunday, uh, we, oh, the teaching last Sunday was about being open-handed and sacrificing for one another. And we had, I'm just, this is part of the do, I want to give you a report. We had uh, six people stand and say they had a financial need last weekend. And we had, 40, if my numbers are right, about $4,500 was given away to those people last weekend. And on top of that, you can, you can clap for that. That's good stuff. 45, and, and all those needs were, were pretty much taken care of. I know some, some have larger needs, things like that, but it kind of at least gets them a, a kickstart in those things. And then on top of that, we had, uh, we had a, a really amazing offering on top of that as well. Um, and so I was like, man, I got phone calls. I got text messages last week going, man, that was powerful. There, there, can we do that again? When are we going to do that again? And see, there's something about when it touches our hearts, right? When, when a group of people, they band together and they overcome and they do something together. And I think the reason is, is I think it's there something that God has put in us and desires from us. This ability um, to overcome one, but then also to do so by, with the help of other people. To do what I would call do life well together doesn't just make good films. It actually creates a phenomenal life. A couple of scriptures on this. James 1, 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, 
Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Having stood the test, will be blessed and receive, receive something that they didn't have, right? It's, it's what, what happens when we stand the test. We've all been there, right? Like when we go through stuff and we go through a challenge, but during the time, it's not really fun. But on the other side, then we have something, we've received something, we've been blessed by something that we didn't have. See, I think God desires this ability to be an overcomer. And then you partner that with Romans 8, 37. It says, see, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then, so that's like our side of it. But then we look at a couple of verses like Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, two are better than one. If either, falls, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. That's a pretty clear text. We looked at that pretty deeply at the, uh, I believe, at the one gathering a few months ago. 1 Peter 4, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. See, with the help of others, actually being able to overcome specifically sin. And then finally, John 15, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And here alluding to overcoming something, I mean, you'd have to overcome something if somebody has to lay down their life for what's going on in your life. See, over, overcoming, doing life together well, it's something I think that God desires from us to see in us to be a part of our life. It's why it touches us so much in movies. And I've seen this played out in my life. I'm sure you have as well. You know, when uh, sometimes just fairly simple things, when like somebody comes over to your house, right? You, you've got a house project, they come and help you, right? Your pipe bursts and you got pumped, you got to pump the water out of your basement, things like that. But, uh, but other times there's more significant things like when somebody walks through an illness or a medical issue with you. Or when your marriage is crumbling and somebody's by your side. Or when you lost your job or you're going through a season of depression and somebody comes alongside you and they help you overcome and get to the other side. This week I was trying to think about back to my own life and where um, that gets specifically happened for, for me. And I remember in high school, and I may have told this story before, so I apologize if I have, but I remember in high school when... Uh, there's people that came by my side when my dad, you know, many of you know he's an alcoholic, and so it was really, things got really rough when I was in high school. And so I remember one night, uh, my mom was actually gone, taking my sister to college in Illinois, and uh, my brother was, my older brother was somewhere, and so Mike and I were the only ones, my twin brother and I were the only ones at home, and my dad came in from the garage, and he was drunk, and he got mad about something, which it wasn't uh, uh, not typical, and so he got mad about something, and as soon as you come up our back deck and through this sliding glass door, uh, there were mugs that were sitting in, and he took those mugs and he started chucking them at my brother and I, because he was mad. And I remember making the phone call, Leah and her family lived not that far from us, and I remember calling, uh, I was obviously dating her at the time, uh, and then her brother was my best friend, so I called and said, hey, we got to get out of the house. Can we come stay at your house that night? And so we left and we went and see, they helped us get through a really tough time in our life um, when we were going through all that with my dad and, and helped us get to the other side. I also remember this week when Lee and I, uh, before our son Elijah was born, we had a miscarriage. And I remember the people that rallied around us, cried with us, sobbed with us, losing a child. See, people rallied significantly, and it did something. It helped us get to the other side. I also was thinking about a few years ago when um, I broke my foot, um, just because I'm getting old. Um, and so I broke my foot, and I remember there was a guy, and some of you know him. His name's John Burke. Uh, John is a truck driver, and he always tells me that his, his, uh, his truck is his war room. And so he prays, and he prays, and he prays. And so I remember John saying, man, I'm still praying for your foot. 
I'm praying God heals your foot. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And, 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 I was, and he just kept checking in with me all the time as I was going through the pain, I was going through recovery, that John, he was along the journey with me to get, help me get to the other side. In so many ways, I think that this is the way it was meant to be. It was God's design for us. And so today we're going to look at a story in Scripture that actually showcases this pretty significantly, um, the importance of pressing in, doing life well together. Um, and I think it'll give some really good, cool, good things to chew on um, and hopefully, we'll be able to give us reasons to even stick together better uh, and see things through like we do in Toy Story and in the film. So I want you to hold that thought. We are in a series here. got a couple more weeks of this series, and we're going to be uh, moving on. But uh, we're in a series called Bare Necessities, The Marks of a Healthy Start. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking again at the early church in the book of Acts because they too, like us, were just kind of starting out, right? As a church plant, we're just starting out and they were doing some great things that I think like, hey, we probably should do those things too if we want to be successful. Um, and so uh, healthy start, but also sustained health as a, as a church and as a culture and, and as individuals. And so again, this week, we've been doing this every week. I want to remind us of our theme verses in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, they, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so our springboard for today's conversation is 46 and 47. It says, Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And so where we want to head today is essentially it says, right, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So essentially what that says is they were together a lot. A lot. Uh, they were eating together. They were spending time together. And, and if you think about that, right, if you think just, just kind of process through that a little bit, if they were together every day, right, one can assume, right, there were probably some really great days. People were joy and happy and loving and all the kind of thing. And then there was probably some days everybody's like, how you doing? Like, oh, it's okay. But my guess is that there were probably some days that were just not great. That They were challenging days. And yet it says that they were still together every day. And so I'm confident that, that they, they, as they were together, they helped each other overcome the bad days. They were rejoicing with, with the ones that were like, hey, this is a good day, but they were helping those overcome the bad days. And I actually think, and I want to submit to you that I think it's actually part of what the early church had for their success and their growth as individuals and as a church. And so today, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we've been studying a lot of the stories in the book of Acts. Today, we're going to uh, kind of depart from the book of Acts just this week, and then we'll come back. We're going to be, um, for our main text, looking at a, a biblical example of overcoming together, uh, looking at verses through the book of Job. And some of you know, but the book of Job follows this guy named Job. He's a wealthy guy. And in the midst of, um, he's actually a good guy too, by the way. Like, he's, he's generally a good guy. Um, and over the course of one day, gets news, he actually four times in one day, um, that some horrendous disasters have happened. And uh, his sheep, his servants, uh, his 10 children, they've all died. His property is taken away and his health begins to fade. Pretty bad day. Essentially, everything that he holds near and dear was taken away from him. But then God eventually intervenes and restores his health, and he gives him even more great wealth than he had, and he has new children and all those kinds of things. Um, 
But in the end, even though the times were really hard for Job, he never gave up hope and his faith in God. It's actually a pretty inspirational story. It's been an inspirational story for, for a long time, for centuries, and those kinds of things. But, uh, and it's part of why we're dealing uh, with this today, because he dealt with some pretty significant challenges. But in the middle of the story, there's also this really unique uh, part of the story that's really going to give us our, our footing for today uh, as we go into this conversation. Um, so let's take a look at it. It's uh, Job chapter 2. We're going to just read verses 11 through 13. It says, When Job's three friends... Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namthanite heard all about the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was was. As the title of our message today is Common Ground, Life in the Midst of Others. And what I want to do today um, is I want to explore two things I see that these three guys did, and I'm confident that the early church did as well in the book of Acts, um, to really just do life well together, um, to essentially have a great, successful church, but really they, to have a really extravagant community. Because I would think that if we look at the early church, they had a pretty extravagant community. And so that's where we're going to head today and uh, look at those two things that these guys did. But before I do that, I want to pause and pray. So if you would pray with me, and then we'll jump into it. So Father, I uh, thank you for this time to be together with these people. And uh, God, we do not want to take lightly um, the next several minutes together. We want you to show up and show off. And so God, we pray that your spirit would join us in this conversation, God, and uh, you would do something supernatural among us, and that... uh, God, we would be more like Jesus as a result of our time together. Not because of my efforts here today, but solely because of the efforts of the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. God, we want to honor you with this time, so we give it to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we have two points today. Here's your first one you can write in on your handout. Extravagant community, because we're going to talk about, right, includes a commitment to exercising empathy. A commitment to exercising empathy. When we look at Job's three friends when they came to him, at the very end of verse 11, right, it says that they set, set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. And, and so these three guys, as I was studying us, I was like, okay, their, their sole purpose of going to Job was what? Was to really just sympathize and comfort this guy who was really going through a really tough time. They, they had no other agenda besides just to go and, and be with their friend. Exercise empathy. Now, they, if you follow the story a little bit, they ended up giving him some pretty lousy advice at one point during the story. They're like, oh, hey, what'd you do? You sinned, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff, and you brought this on yourself, and the reality was it was actually the work of the enemy. Okay, but beyond like giving him the bad advice, essentially, really, like, the only purpose they had was to just be with their friend, to understand and, and to, to really kind of share in his feelings. And that's, I think that's really important. And I find it interesting, too, that the text actually says that they met together in agreement. So they, they all either found out that Job was having a rough time, right, or they, somebody told them, or maybe they had a conversation with Job or whatever. I'm not sure how that all worked. But, but I love the, this kind of this idea that then, so they, they all gathered together for coffee, right? They, they get together like, hey, we got to talk, you guys. Like something's going on. 
And they sit there and they, they kind of say, okay, man, let's go. What, what, what can we do to help? And it, and it says, right, and so I, I, I picture it like this. They're sitting around, they're drinking coffee, and one of them, and I actually probably think that it's Bildad the shoe height, because that's my boy, right? Um, only because I like his name, right? Um, so I'm thinking like, okay, so Bildad's like, guys, we got to stop talking. We need to go. We need to go now to our friend. Like, we, we're done talking. We need action now. And so they go and they take off. And then, and then when they get there, when they get near their friend, they, they actually feel the full weight of what their friend was going through. They weren't even to him yet. And it says, right, that in verse 12, it says that uh, they, they saw him from a distance. They could hardly recognize him. And they began to weep aloud. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. If you don't know, that's actually a way of showing grief in old biblical times. And so guys, they didn't didn't even make it to him. Didn't even actually have a chance to embrace him, to give him a handshake. And they began to weep. The the full weight of what he was going through, just in his physical body, they started to empathize. It broke them. And I think there's something that we can learn from these three men in the midst of that. Because one, if you think about it, right, these three guys, their names are recorded in the book of history of the holy, like the holy covenant of God. For what? For being empathetic. For for sharing in their friend's grief. They're forever known. I don't know if that, like if somebody's like, hey, you know, Matt Poorman, like 25, 35, 45 years from now, right, says, yeah, that Matt Poorman, like, I don't know what they're going to say about me, right? But I wouldn't, it would not be a bad thing if somebody was like, yeah, that dude was empathetic. He just cared about everybody. A couple of scriptures. 1 Peter 3, it says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Romans 12, 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. See, now, I know there's some of you in the room, um, you're pretty good at this. You're pretty good at this because you're a person who kind of wears your heart on your sleeve, as they say, right? And so you are a kind of emotional person, and so it's easy for you to get in touch with your emotions, so it's easy for you to get in touch with others' emotions as well. Um, but specifically for me, and I know it's not going to shock some of you, but this actually is a really hard thing for me. Um, before the, the last few years, I probably could have counted the, on one hand the amount of times I've ever cried in my life. But see, I think God is working on me. As I'm giving more and more of my life over to the Holy Spirit, I think he's working on me and working on my empathy. I was thinking this week about, uh, some of you were in the room when this happened, but a few months ago, we did kind of a, right before school started, we did like this blessing thing for teachers over at the Great Road Campus. And, and we're just praying for teachers and, and we're blessing them financially and all those kinds of things. And, and uh, after, at the end of the first service, I'm standing on the stage and I just was overwhelmed. I just began to weep. And I'm going, I don't know why I'm crying. But I think what was happening in that moment is I think the Holy Spirit was touching my heart and saying, for, for these people who give of themselves so much, our, our teachers who spend so much of their own money in their classrooms for our kids, and yet they don't even get the recognition that they deserve from our community. I was feeling the weight of that in that moment. Leah's actually saying, I'm becoming just a big old crybaby these days. <laughs> I actually don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's allowing the Holy Spirit to really just touch our hearts. You know, there's a song that we sing sometimes in the church called Hosanna. A couple of lyrics of this uh, will come up on the screen. This song says, Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. 
See, I think we're supposed to be broken sometimes, folks, for each other. We're supposed to be broken for the things that break God's heart, for the things that in our, for the brokenness that's in our families, in our relationships, in the, in our workplaces, for the brokenness of people here in the church who are just going through a really painful time. Some that are really, really painful. I know I need to keep getting better at this. I want to be more like these three men. I, I want to be like them significantly. And here's why I want to be like them. You can actually write this in on your handout. Carrying another's broken heart heals more than we may ever know. When we do life well, overcoming together, which I'm convinced the early church did well, spent time with each other every day, it healed when it needed to heal. And they ended up with a very extravagant community. This week I had somebody call me and uh, they were just like, hey, they started the conversation like, hey, do you got a couple of minutes? And truth be told, I had a couple of minutes, but I didn't have a whole lot of time at that point. I said, yeah, sure. And so uh, when he was on the phone, he began to tell me that he's going to probably lose his job in the next couple of weeks. Just overwhelmed, kind of burdened. He's, again, having one of those days where it's like, that's not, not so great of a day. And so um, I ended up spending like about 30 to 45 minutes on the phone with him. I prayed with him. And I've checked in with them. And I'm just, what, I'm trying, what I was trying to do in that moment is I was trying to, to help carry what was a broken heart at that point because he doesn't really know, He's, you know what, what his future holds. And so I'm, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to overcome together. So as I come to the end of this point, I, um, I actually thought of another song. And I don't know why my message is full of songs today. Um, but this song, many of you know it right? But uh, it's called Lean On Me, and I'm going to sing it, right? So it goes like this. It goes, lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. I couldn't get that out of my head when I was teaching, uh, putting this teaching together. Hey, there, thank you. I, I know it wasn't that great, by the way, right? <laughs> couldn't get that song out of my head because that is exactly what we're talking about in today's message. Is, and that's what the early church did. They leaned on each other. They had an extravagant community. They did life well together. They overcame together. And so I have a question for us to consider today as, as we kind of close down this point. It'll come up on the screen. It says, who needs my shoulder to cry on? I think it's a great question for us to ask ourselves. Who needs my shoulder to cry on? I think it's the question these three men asked, right? And they said, hey, we're going to go. He needs our shoulder to cry on. I think the early church did that every, every day. They were meeting together. And I think it's a, a crucial question for us to engage today in our culture specifically here in the church community that we're talking about specifically now, but also in the communities. We, we're among so many other communities in our lives, folks, like our families. There might be someone in your family, an extended family member who might need your shoulder to cry on. Our workplaces, you know, the boss who's really, really mean or whatever. Sometimes maybe it's just a matter of fact they just need a shoulder to cry on because they're carrying a big load. And they just don't, they're overwhelmed. 
or even in our neighborhoods. I think it would be great if we could reach out to our neighbors and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here. I think this is a key element to having an extravagant community. So that's point number one. Extravagant community includes a commitment to exercising empathy. Second thing, extravagant community includes a commitment to linger when necessary. Linger when necessary. And uh, this point, when I was putting this together, I was thinking about, you know, have you ever... Uh, shook somebody's hand or maybe you gave them a hug and, and then you, like when you're grabbing your hand and you, you shake their hand and then they keep talking and you shake their hand and you keep talking and they keep shaking your hand and you're thinking, do I pull my hand away? Am I going to be rude? You know, those kind of things. Or when you're hugging somebody, right? And you're like, oh, hey, and you kind of give away and they're like, oh, they're not giving okay. And you go right back in, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and so that was kind of what was going on in my head uh, when I was putting this point together. But I, what I want to talk about today is, is doing that in a good way. Doing that in a way that, uh, okay, sometimes it might still feel a little awkward, but doing it anyway, even if it's a little awkward. And I think these three guys did this in the book of Job. Uh, verse 13 says, they, Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word. Wow. So this is actually the primary reason I picked this text as we were kind of this, this, the connection between the early church and every day they met together and, and seven days and seven nights, these guys, because they, the, the act in which they did was pretty extravagant. Seven days, seven nights, sitting on the ground with Job and no one said a word. That's a long time. Like Matt Porman can't go five minutes without <laughs> having like, I can imagine seven days and seven nights. I see these guys, so I had in my mind these guys, they lingered with Job. And they lingered because it was necessary for what Job was going through. I mean, his life was turned upside down, inside out, and all back again. And I love this part of the text in our study today because, um, you know, uh, as we're talking about an extravagant community, do you know that they're in, in extravagant is the word extra? If we're going to have an extravagant community, it's going to take extra. It's going to take extra energy. It's going to take extra time. It's going to take extra effort to have an extravagant community. It's going to take us lingering together and doing it well. I was thinking about trying to find scriptures of, of when this happened and other, other than in the book of Job. And I was reminded, actually, I couldn't get away from this text. I was reminded of when the disciples and Jesus kind of had an encounter like this, but the disciples actually didn't do it well. Um, some of you know this story. Um, it's actually when um, the disciples were falling asleep uh, in the Gospels. Uh, just a little bit of background. Jesus had just eaten the Last Supper with the disciples, and then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to begin to pray because he's, he's really burdened, as he w rightly would be so, right, about the cross that's coming up and the, and the flogging that's going to happen. So he's, he's really struggling. He's, he's suffering, if we will, right? You get where I'm kind of going with this, right? Jesus was struggling. And he goes to the, the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And it says in uh, Mark 14, 37, this is the second time there, of three times that Jesus comes back to the disciples, falls them, has them falling asleep. He says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the, the flesh is weak. See, he, Jesus wanted them. He, he needed them to linger. But they kept falling asleep. And here's what I want to submit to you. I don't think it was helpful to Jesus. At the end of this particular verse, it actually says that Jesus says in verse 41, it says, enough. And I think it's interesting that it says enough exclamation point. Jesus was a little frustrated. 
The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. You see, Jesus needed them at that point, and they didn't deliver. And, and here was my thought this week is that uh, much much like our circumstances, I don't think that the disciples would have actually done this. Obviously, much wouldn't have changed, right? Jesus still would have went to the cross. But, but here was the thought that I had. is like, could you imagine, right? Because we do this with other people. It's what these three men did with, with Job. Is that could, maybe it would have helped take, taking a little bit of that pressure, maybe a whole lot of that pressure that was on Jesus, knowing that he had his, his men, his guys, his dudes were fighting with him on the, uh, on just, just, just a little farther down the garden. And it could have potentially, right, made it a little bit easier for the Savior of the world. And who wouldn't want to do that? I think the disciples missed it. And I think some of it is a good story for us to, to know that because I think that I want to do what they didn't do. So I want you to write this in on your handout. Often we can't change other circumstances, but our presence can alter the moment. Often we can't change other circumstances, but our presence can alter the moment. I think that's true sometimes, and you all know this, right? You've had this happen. When people, sometimes when people show up, it makes all the difference. I'm sure you've experienced that. Thinking this week in my own life, I've had a, I've had a conversation with two guys in the last two years who have gone through pretty messy divorces. And I basically told them that the Pormon house is always open. Like I, I basically said, hey, if you're there in your home and you're just having a rough day and you, you're like, you're depressed or there's just, it's one of those days that's just hitting you hard. All you have to do, seriously, pick up the phone and say, Matt, I'm coming over to watch TV, right? Like Lee and I don't feel like we've got to entertain them, right? Um, we love them, we care for them, but like I would love for this and my couch is available to you. Come, sit at my house. One of the guys we've invited over for Christmas morning the last couple of years, which has been extremely good for him because it w can you imagine being alone on Christmas Day? I was also thinking about a guy uh, here in the church who um, has been dealing and is still dealing with a pretty messy situation with his son. Um, and I won't get into all the, the details, but based on some false information that his son has received um, he wants really nothing to do with his dad. And I've had the privilege and the honor, I think, of lingering with this guy. Lingering um, in lots of conversations on the phone, lots of meeting, uh, meeting times together, uh, me praying with him, me going to his son's football games with him. And yeah, I will tell you, like, there's been awkward moments, right? When his son, uh, after the football game, he blew us off. Or when his wife's, his ex-wife's family was there and it made it a little awkward. Or when I had to talk to the legal counsel because things got a little messy. Yeah, things were awkward. But see, I've had the privilege of lingering with him and it's been an honor. And here, beyond my side of it, here's what I'm confident of. I'm confident that it's helped him. I'm pretty confident that he would tell you today that it has helped him. And I, I don't want to say that I'm the only one and it's all because of Matt and all that's not, it's not about me, but what I, I, we, there's been a, a few of us who've had the privilege to do that and it's changed moments for him. It's changed moments for him along the way. It's kept him going and we've done life well in the midst of a really, really messy, stupid, really crappy situation. A couple verses on this. Psalm 133, one. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. So that's what we're talking about. That's what happened in, with Job. That's what happened in the early church. 
live together in unity. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. This is speaking of love. It says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I love that. Look at that. Love always, suggesting some level of lingering, perhaps. Love always helps and trusts, hopes, perseveres. Helps us do life in the midst of a really messy life and overcome together. Be the end of the story of Toy Story. So I'm going to get ready to close, but um, before I do that, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was pressing into me as I was preparing uh, to give a helpful hint in this point today. And so there's a helpful hint that you can write in on your handout, and that's this. Uh, you can write it on, in, is leave some margin. So when we're talking about lingering, right, the helpful hint is leave some margin. And, and uh, this is not going to surprise many of you, but folks, I think we're living in the most jam-packed schedule culture we've ever lived in our entire lives. And I don't think there's another generation that has lived as jam-packed as we, have, we are living currently right now. And so uh, I was actually thinking of some phrases, like you've probably used some of these, like, hey, I never can catch up. I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm always on the go. Have you used those? And so I think what's happening in our culture is that we are living such a jam-packed, fast-paced lifestyle that we don't even have time to linger when it's necessary. And so I think that there's probably some, uh, some things that we need to start saying no to so that we can say yes to when it really matters the most, right? I think there's probably, because when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And I think sometimes we need to say a no so that we can actually say yes to when it matters most. Leave some margin. And I actually think that will help us in so many ways beyond what we're talking about today, but specifically what, and what we're speaking about today is I think it will give us those, those spaces when, when somebody calls and says, I need to lean on you. Can I lean on you? And you go, absolutely, you lean on me. I think that's what a key to having an extravagant community, extravagant church, and ultimately being more about what we're trying to be about in this Acts 2 church as well. So that's point number two. Striving a community includes a commitment to linger when necessary. Let me pray. Worship team will come up. So God, we thank you again for a time to, uh, to look into your word. God, we know it's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And God, we pray now that as we uh, digest this in worship, uh, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. God, and maybe what this was really meant just for us today. And God, we pray that... Um, that, gosh, God, we would, I just pray like uh, that there would, there would be something that um, we would receive from you today as we, in some senses, linger with a couple worship songs here, God, that we would receive from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.